0: Relevant content for our members, by our members. This is TMC Connect. All right, good afternoon everyone. This is Rich Swabinski with The Mortgage Collaborative. This is the last week in mortgage today, our weekly walk through all the latest, greatest news uh, and happenings in the mortgage industry. Uh, Each week I am pleased to be joined by one of our lender members. As my co host, and this week, very pleased to be joined by uh, my friend, one of our oldest members, one of our board members, the best dressed man in the mortgage industry, <laughs> founder thanks. and CEO of US Mortgage Corp., Stephen A. Milner. Stephen A., thanks for joining me, bud. Thank you, bud.
1: You're the best, Rich. But before we go on, I just want to say that um, on behalf of uh, the Mortgage Collaborative, as the president and CEO, of um, I just want to, uh, I just think you're doing an outstanding job day in and day out. And uh, we've all had our challenges running our organizations. And I think you and your staff uh, have done an outstanding job. And I want to commend you and thank you for all that you've done for uh, the members and the industry itself. So I wanted to lead the discussion off by saying that, sir. Thank
0: you. That means a lot coming from you. And I remember, like, you were one of the people, I remember meeting you at the MBA secondary conference in your hometown in New York. And yeah. you know, we were just getting going and, you know, needed credible members to join and uh, asked you to kind of take a chance on what we were doing. And uh, I'm glad that you found value in it. And yeah, appreciate your membership. Thank you. All right, All right. So let's get into it. So much going on right now in the mortgage industry. It's crazy right now. We're coming off this insane year of volume and margins um, volume is slowed down a little bit right now, but just so much going on right now uh, with just uh, an in, a burgeoning inventory issue uh, in the industry. Uh, you know, escalating home values. Uh, we're coming out of the pandemic. Uh, we've got a new presidential administration that's putting some housing policy uh, proposals out there. Changes at Fannie, Freddie, HUD. Um, to start out though, Stephen A, um, how did 2020 end for you? And what are some of the major initiatives you guys have in the hopper right now as we get into Q2 of 2021? Well,
1: 2020 was a great year. We close to 1.8 billion. Um, we're very excited about that and very, uh, proud about that, uh, on the volume side, uh, as far as initiatives, Richard, um, we're really focusing a lot on expanding our training uh, and a de- uh, training department, not only on the upside, but more on the sales side. As you know, I've, before I got into the mortgage banking business, I was an edu- I was a teacher for eighteen years, so I've been ver- always been very focused on education and teaching, even to this day. So I embrace that. But um, we're doing a lot on the uh, you know we're a purchase purchase money shop. We're still doing about seventy two percent purchase money. Uh, so we're very, so we still continue to pursue that. Um, and as you know, I still originate loans, eight eight to 10 million a month myself as the CEO and license in every state. So I embrace that and my salespeople seem to like it because it really keeps me in touch with the manufacturing process and the assembly line. And, uh, I'm very much focused on that. That's excellent. And uh, yeah,
0: such a throwback CEO, still originating. I every, <laughs> every TMC conference, you'll see Stephen A, usually in the front row of every session, studiously right. taking notes. Um, yeah, a guy who works hard. And uh, I know you you love to keep learning. Uh, yes. you know, 27 years now, I think you've had the company, but uh, you're always trying to figure out what's going on, uh, what, what, what's going to be happening next
1: in the industry. Well, I think we have to, um, I mean, which topic you want to start with? I mean, as far as housing prices, I think uh, prices are still escalating everywhere due to lack of inventory. Uh, medium home prices, I don't know. What are they approaching? 350 340 something like that? I think
0: uh, yeah the, the median uh, list price on a home, I think it was in February, which, you know, homes just keep going up in value through March and now in April was 346, which was up, I think, 17% year over year. I mean, that's a little, does that give you any, any pause, any concern as the CEO of an independent mortgage bank uh, that home values are escalating so quickly? Uh, there's could be good to that, right? Uh, providing equity uh, for people that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but Yeah, uh, I'm
1: not you know, those things really don't concern me too much, you know, because I've been in the business 41 years now. I started in 1980 and uh, I've seen every cycle there is as far as uh, home buyers that, you know, borrowers desire to fulfill the, um, the dream of home ownership. And uh, I was originating loans at 21% on a fixed rate in 1980. New York City was going bankrupt and um, people were still buying houses. So they still in pursue the 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 dream of home ownership and uh yeah okay so we have a shortage of inventory you know i learned the other day that we have more real estate agents now than homes for sale uh that's an interesting statistic uh but that's the reality and i think people will continue to look and you know all right inventory is down but i don't think that'll stop uh people from pursuing uh purchasing a home and i think we'll get past it and Building is going to continue. There's going to be more per permits out there than you, than we've ever seen before. So I'm kind of excited about it. It's it's another it's another wave that we have to get that we have to ride, so to speak. And I think we'll do fine. So I'm not really that concerned about it. The purchase money business has always been the lifeblood of the mortgage banking business, and it will continue to 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 be so. Refinances are great, but Purchase money is what keeps companies in business, in my opinion.
0: Without a doubt. And I know you guys have always been a very purchase-focused shop. Uh, This is the last week in mortgage today. I'm Rich Swierbinski with The Mortgage Collaborative, joined this week by the founder and CEO of U.S. Mortgage Corp., Stephen A. Milner. Uh, As always, we strive for an interactive program. Uh, Any questions, comments, anything to add to the show, please feel free to drop it in the chat or the Q&A. I already see couple notes in there confirming Stephen a is the best dressed man in the mortgage industry <laughs> stop also a couple from uh, some of our michigan members giving me a hard time uh about the motor city kitties uh the detroit tigers taking two of three from oh. like to start the season so, <laughs> um but Stephen A., what about so we have a new presidential administration right. and, um you know there was a lot as all all presidential candidates have housing policy that you know they have out there on their website as part of their official platform there was little to no talk about, you know, the housing industry and in any of the pre-election uh, debates or run up, but we've seen uh, president Biden um, be pretty aggressive uh, as it relates to potential uh, things that could be coming down the pike. Uh, just released a large uh, infrastructure plan that had a lot of housing tentacles to it. Uh right for the construction or rehabilitation of, uh, I think it was like half a million um, homes in low and middle income areas, he called on Congress to uh, eliminate some of the zoning laws that are penal to home builders, um, that's restricting some of the things they can do. Uh, Just curious as to your thoughts on, uh, just as it relates to housing policy, the new administration, um, you know, government's role in mortgage lending and, you know, some of the things that uh, uh, you found interesting or notable uh, about the new administration's housing goals and plans?
1: Well, I, uh, that's a, it's a good topic for discussion, Richard, and I just feel that, um, you know, I, I, I I embrace the Biden's administration for uh, expanding their infrastructure plan, infrastructure plan as it relates to uh, construction and rehab, rehabilitation of um, of homes in low to moderate areas. Uh, just philosophically, and you know, I've always felt that everyone is entitled to a roof over their head, but not everyone is entitled to a mortgage. So as IMBs, we have to be careful about that. And I feel that if we had that philosophy in the late '90s, early 2000s, we would have bo- avoided the uh, the Great Recession. Quite frankly, you know. So as much as we want to implement. Uh, plans for um, low to moderate income homeowners, they still have to demonstrate the ability and the willingness to repay their loan. So we have to be careful about that. There's a balance there. And um, making good quality loans, respecting the relationships that IMBs have with their partners, whether it be the agencies or the aggregators, is a top priority. And, um, And I always say it's not about doing right. It's not about being right, it's about doing right. So we have to f- follow that philosophy going forward. And I hope that that the, that the Biden administration does not get that involved in the day-to-day routine that a mortgage banker has to go through to ensure that the loan performs. At the end of the day, the loan has to make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make dollars. It's as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> You're right,
0: because it's a slippery slope, right? I mean, you know, everybody wants people to own homes and build wealth through a home. But, um, you know, there can be too high of a home ownership rate in America. And we saw that really uh, lead to the mortgage meltdown in 08 and 09. Uh, You know, both really the the Clinton and Bush administrations contributed to that. Um, And, you know, we got to the point where we just had people with mortgages that you know, I I tell the story all the time about my one buddy, Joe, that, you know, my degenerate buddy growing up, like when he got approved for a mortgage, I knew something was wrong with this. this (laughs) 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 You know, and so it is a slippery slope. And, uh, but I think you're going to see the Biden administration has been very vocal about, uh, you know, low to uh, low to moderate uh, income buyers and kind of leveling the playing field for them. And be interesting to see, what happens there on the flip side though, we saw, we've been talking on this show and other shows we've done here on TMC connect about some of the changes coming down the pike from Fannie and Freddie, Uh, knocked the first domino down by announcing restrictions on investment properties and second homes. It really, uh, you know, escalated and magnified, uh, some of the other changes likely to be coming down the pike. Um, your thoughts on the GSEs, uh, their role as part of uh, our housing finance system in America, and, you know, what you just as a business owner would like to see happen with Fannie and Freddie, uh, you know, as we get into 21 and 22 here.
1: Interesting question. So as, as you know, um, the agencies, Fannie and Freddie specifically, have, have been on the conservative ships now since 2008. What's that, 13 years? So uh, and I don't and I know there's a there's been a movement over the years to try to privatize. GSEs, but I don't believe it's going to happen now. Um, But I I think we have to remember, if you will, that in 1938 government established Fannie Mae 1970, they created Freddie Mac. The purpose, their purpose, the creation, The the reason they were created was to provide um, home ownership, home ownership financing, and that's been very successful. It was never really intended to provide fan financing, um, as an and I'm an IMB speaking about, you know where how the seven percent in cap uh, cap is going to impact our business. It was never really intended. To provide financing for investment properties or second homes, and I think people tend to forget that. Uh, and I think that's the direction we're going back in, as proposed by the FHFA, To be quite frank, and um, you know, I guess it's just going to, you know, it's going to affect our business to some degree. But at the end of the day, owner-occupied primary residences is, is is what drive this is what will drive the industry. Yes, we'll. We'll have some econ- economic impact to some IMBs who focus a lot on um, on um, uh, second homes and investment properties, especially cash outs, which are really going to go. The pricing is really going to escalate through the roof. But it is what it is, and we'll have to deal with that. But I think that's why FHF, FHFA is doing that um, because they're going to. They're not going to move towards privatization, and this is one way to, in which to secure their economic um, stability, if you will, in my opinion. Um what I am more concerned about is the um is the cap that they may put on of six percent. I think there's a gonna as a proposal. and as you know, I'm very involved with the MBA. I was the president of the New York MBA, uh, and I'm on the independent Mortgage Bank is executive counsel, and there's so much talk about the 6% cap on purchase loans. And I think a 3% cap, if you will, on refinances. Uh when the when two or three conditions are met, if the loan to value is greater than 90% and the borrower's DTI is great, is uh, is above 45%. I think that, <coughs> excuse me, will have a, a major impact on uh, our business and on on, on a, and on housing in general. So we have to sort of balance balance that, you know, and um, so we have to be careful regarding those points. I, I'm very interested, I'm more interested in that, quite frankly, than the uh, 7% cap on investment in uh, second homes.
0: Yeah, I think it was uh, FICO under 680, CLTV over 90, and, right. oh and over 45. Exactly. Long. Yeah,
1: yeah, those three factors above yeah. nothing
0: Loans with two of those three characteristics would be capped: three percent of total loan sales on refinances, six percent on purchase. And yeah, I do know MBA is looking into that. Any insight there? I know you are very involved with MBA. They're got to be leaning hard on FHFA to be gentle there because of the impact you noted.
1: Yeah. No. I yeah. they And we talk about it at every. I'm on every conference call. Every week, CMPB We have a conference call every week. Um talking about it, you know, with Pete Mills and he's he's doing a great great job with, with the NBA on that on that end. And and um, that concerns me probably at this point more than anything right now. Uh GSEs have to survive. We get it, right? I don't think they're going to privatize, but so that's what they're doing. Fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? So that's what I think they're doing going forward. This is the last week in
0: mortgage today. I'm Rich Swobinski with the Mortgage Collaborative joined this week by Stephen A. Milner, the founder and CEO of U.S. Mortgage Corp. And Stephen A., to your point, you know, the agency is kind of putting themselves uh, likely not headed for coming out of conservatorship, but doing some things to get their house in order for whatever lies next for them. Um, What about repurchases? Uh, Is that something that keeps you awake at night? Maybe that we may see a clamp down there, loans that you sell to the agencies that are going through you know, post-funding QC reviews uh, by Fannie and Freddie. Uh, what are your thoughts on that topic?
1: That's interesting. You raised raise that issue, um, Richard. Uh, I am I am kind of concerned about that because um, you know we did the industry uh, did so much business last year that I don't believe uh, QC was probably done at the point of sale. I, I, I'm sorry, at the point of purchase by the mm-hmm. either the agencies or the aggregators. And now the business is slowing down. I think they're having a lot more time to quality control more and more files. We sell directly to Fannie and Freddie and we're getting more and more inquiries. And I think that's a major concern that IMB should have going forward. uh, Whether you sell directly to the agencies or you sell to the aggregators, you sell to the aggregators, ultimately it will come back to you, right? So um, I just think that that may be something we really have to keep an eye on because I think You know, with all the business that the aggregators purchase, again, to ensure their economic stability, they're going to want to they're going to want to make sure that the loans are going to perform. And if I think there's going to if they can push back. To the seller, the originator, they're going to do that more aggressively than we've seen in the past. Um, Only because a lot of the loans were purchased without any really major quality control. Prior to prior to the sale. So I think we're going to see that and, um, you know, I would, you know, as far as what we do at U.S. Mortgage, we try to do uh, um, a great deal of pre-closing QC, um, even though the limit is 10% post-closing, but, you know, if I could, I would try to do QC on every single loan. It's not possible. It's very hard to, to meet closing dates to do that practically, but we try to do as much as we can. And you'd be surprised when you do that, when you're aggressive, some of the things that you find. People will make mistakes. Underwriters will make mistakes. That's just the way the business is. So you have to try to protect yourself because it will come back to you if you miss some things. And I think the agencies will find the time. They certainly will have the ability and the willingness to, to push back. So I think that's something we should be concerned about going forward.
0: Yeah, I've heard the same from other members of ours over the course of the last few weeks as volume has died down, that they've seen more inquiries from the agencies, um, you know, just on QC related things. And your point is valid. It was just so much volume that was pumped through the system last year. People were working so hard, so many hours, you know it better than anyone, underwriters and working weekends and uh, just you know, it would not stop. The volume would not stop, and just yeah, human. But overall, we have a much more compliant industry than I've ever seen uh, in my time in the industry. But uh, just the volume-related, uh, you know, errors that that uh, or oversight, uh, that lack of oversight that could have uh, existed. That I know a lot of our members are kind of doing their own above and beyond QC. Maybe they did you know ten percent pre-close and ten percent post-close. QC last year as the loans were coming through, and now they're pulling bigger sample sizes to see if they can find anything under the sheets that uh, maybe yeah. we're digging deeper into.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think we're going to see that, and I think we, sh- we should all be should all be concerned about that.
0: Uh, we also had new HUD Secretary Marsha Fudge right. uh, came out a couple days ago and said, hey, we're not going to be reducing uh, the FHA insurance premium. There had been right. some speculation, you know, that uh, that could be something we'd see. It's something that MBA, um, you know, has talked about in the past. And, you know, I think her point was, you know, we still have a little bit too much delinquency. A lot of it related to forbearance and uh, the pandemic and now is not the right time. Any, any reaction to the, that
1: news? Um, well, they're pretty, you know, the fund is pretty solvent right now, you know, and, I, I would like personally I'd like to see a reduction either in the upfront or the monthly, but um, I don't think it's going to happen for now. And they want to try to remain; they want to try to maintain their solvency. So I don't think it's going to really impact government loans that much. Uh, we do a we do a good percentage of you know government uh, FHA loans, I should say. On you know, so it's it's I don't think it's going to have much of an impact. I would like to see it; it would be great for the consumer. Mm hmm. Oh, but. Um,
0: and as you noted, the uh, the insurance fund is well above the required capital levels. Uh, that's what led to a lot of the speculation that you could see a reduction. But, you know, what about your thoughts on, you know, what we were talking about just a little bit ago, uh, you know, some of the changes, you know, that, that were in the Fannie Freddie preferred stock purchase agreement amendment. Right. Um, To loan characteristics. Uh, You mentioned it before. No more than 3% of refi loans and 6% of purchase loans sold to the agencies can have characteristics of uh, under 680, over 45, um, or uh, over 90. Over 90 combined loan to value. Um, So my thought on that was that like already in our industry, uh, you know, that 5% down 670 borrower. Yeah, at least when I was still uh, you know, working for an originator, um, in most cases, that because of the FHA insurance premium, the side-by-side on that borrower, a conventional Fannie Freddie loan versus an FHA loan, the better deal for the borrower is the agency conventional loan. In most cases, was my experience. The more profitable loan for a mortgage lender is the FHA loan. Um, so I was pontificating aloud about this topic on this show last week. Um, that I think you'll see a lot of lenders do the right thing and put the borrow in in the right. best option for them, but this could steer a lot more uh, lenders towards FHA loans, putting borrowers in those FHA loans in that scenario, uh, which could adversely select FHA, could potentially negatively impact FHA a little bit, and see them get some additional volume. But um, yeah, any any thoughts on
1: um, maybe that? Maybe that's a good point. Maybe that's what they're. Uh, What's uh, what's her name? Marsha Fudge. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's what she's thinking as well. Um, yeah, but we'll have to watch that. You know, I don't. As far as my company is concerned, I don't think our loan officers think that way. Mm-hmm. You know, comp is not a function of that. Since April eleventh, two thousand and eleven, when mm-hmm. uh, when Dodd Frank Act uh, um, changed the L O comp r- rules. Where you can't get paid on the on the terms and conditions of the loan, um, and I think I don't see the salespeople in my organization thinking that way. We certainly don't pay that way, no. so I don't think it's, it's 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 going to have, it's not it's not going to it's not going to create. I think our our salespeople will, and depending on the sales leadership, will continue to provide the best financing choices for the borrower, whether it be government loan or you know, or um, or a uh, conventional loan through the GSEs. And even the bond loans, we're very active in the bond loans, even though they present compensation issues, which we know about, but sometimes that's the best solution as well. Yeah, absolutely.
0: This is the last week in mortgage today. I've got four or five minutes left with US Mortgage Corp, founder and CEO, Stephen A. Milner. Uh, I've got a couple of uh, questions and comments in the chat and I uh, would encourage anybody has any questions for Stephen or I or notes, uh, feel free to go ahead and leave those in the chat or the Q&A. One of the questions, any thoughts on the possibility of the 3D printed home to help spur the low to moderate income buyer appears to be a possible solution to a long lingering problem. Stephen A, have you followed any of this, this 3D printed home thing? I've seen just a little bit of it, but these 3D printers are now starting to create some homes. And there's some thinking that this could be something that will become more prevalent in the, in the coming years.
1: Yeah. I've I read a little bit about it, you know, but it, it, it may be, it, it it may be a source for additional, uh, uh, you know, additional, I guess, inventory, if, if that's what you're referring to. Right. Mm-hmm. But again, going back to my, my original point, it's still at the end of the day, it's about ability and willingness to repay the loan and we must be st- we must stay focused on that uh just because a borrower falls into uh, a low and moderate income that's i understand that and i appreciate that but they still must be able to um demonstrate the ability and the willingness to repay the loan on a, t- in a timely manner now that may create more activity i understand it more inventory but at the end of the day, we have to work together with our partners, whether it be the GSEs or our aggregators.
0: Cool. And, yeah, it wouldn't be an episode of The Last Week in Mortgage Today without some sort of comment or joke about the whole rocket mortgage. You know, have you been following this, Stephen A., the, the the Michigan rivalry, rocket mortgage? Yeah, yeah. What's your thoughts? I always like to get the, the thoughts of our IMB CEOs. Uh you know, these big prominent independent mortgage banks that are, you know, one and two in market share in America now. What are, you, what are your thoughts yeah, on that? I
1: just don't see the reason for that. You know, um, I just have a basic philosophy of life. Again, it's not about being right, it's about doing right. And I don't think the message from United was the right thing to do. And uh, I don't have any problem defending that. There's a kind of really be very, careful about some of the things that you do and, and the positions that you take. Um, the, the brokers have been, you know, they, you know, this is a freedom of choice. They should be able to go where they want to go. Simple as that. And that not, not, and not should, should be penalized if they're selling loans to Quicken or someone else in this case, or um, Fairway was the other one, right? So, Fairway, yep. Mm-hmm. yep. <clears throat> <yeah>. Rocket, i <laughs> mean
0: instead of Quicken, right? Rocket, Quicken, whatever they're going by now. Yeah, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, And then uh, the last question we had come in, uh, Stephen A, your thoughts on the new iteration of the CFBB. Are you making any changes internally at U.S. Mortgage Corp to help prepare for
1: a more aggressive compliance environment? Yes, uh, that's a very good question. I think that uh, well, we are, as I indicated before, um, we are really expanding our training department uh, so that more and more loan officers and, and and we're very aggressive on hiring newbies, so to speak, new loan officers, which is a separate discussion I can go into. But, uh, but we're doing a lot more on the pre-closing QC, uh, not only from an underwriting and processing standpoint, but from a regulatory standpoint. You got It's not just getting the loan closed and shipped and funded. It's about closing that loan compliantly and... Um, you know, one of the things most mortgage companies have issues with is probably tolerance cures because loans weren't disclosed properly. So, and that's costly. Not only, it's not only costly, but it's not compliant. So, you have to be careful of that. You have to be, you have to be concerned about that. And I think the CFPB is really, in the, with, with the new administration, is going to be really all over us, to, to be quite frank. And that's what they were established for. You know, they have to protect, they have to avoid what occurred. And, starting in about 2006 all the way through 2010 they have a responsibility. So you know and um, compliance should not affect production. that's the, that's the bottom line. We should all be a culture of compliance in my opinion. And that's
0: technology that's makes it easier, right? I mean, you know, I really there's some of the technology that we have available right now is uh as mortgage lenders. It makes compliance easier. There there is more automated
1: compliance and it does help with that, no? Yeah, it does. But files are still touched by mm-hmm. homo sapiens as I call them, you know, we all are, and people will make mistakes. That's just the way it is. You can't avoid it. Excellent. Stephen A.,
0: thank you so much for joining me. Always talking about the mortgage business with you, my friend.
1: Yeah, and thank you for doing such a great job, as I said at the beginning. You know, as the uh, president and chief operating officer, you're really Every session, I walk away with a nugget, as I call it. Nuggets,
0: the nuggets. We've the nuggets. <laughs> we've reused that and many other Milnerisms uh, over the years. Uh, just, uh, the, way the way Milnerisms, we <laughs> yes. If, if you are not friends with Stephen A. Uh, on LinkedIn, you got to immediately send him a friend request because uh, uh, he's he does a great job. Uh, Pumping the millnerisms into his timeline. Really a lot of uh, wise words to live by from a guy that's been doing it and doing it right in this industry for nearly three decades. So, Thank you so much,
1: sir. We uh, we appreciate you. And all right. Until next week. You're the best. Uh, we'll see you then. And
0: thanks again, Stephen
1: A. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Richard. You're the best. Thank you. Have a great afternoon, everyone. Bye bye.